Good morning, afternoon, evening. Welcome to the 8311 cast. You're now officially retired podcast. Not that we're going anywhere, but we are at Wait, the legal age. Well, like we're 65 now. Oh, we, okay. we can can oh, we can we start that. receiving like our social security checks now? Something like that. Luckily I, for the podcast, unlike for uh, your three hosts, Mike Ludwig, Kyle Mersh, and Wyatt Teeter, it can actually draw social security benefits. I feel like that's not going to be around when we're 65, but that's fine because this is episode 65. Coming at you. And we're a sports podcast, not a politics-based podcast. That is 100% true, because this week we are talking about uh, college basketball, the NFL, Major League Baseball, and of course, our signature segments, Mike Stupid Rules and Write That Down Predictions. I forgot what we were doing today. Yeah, I heard that. Yeah. And it's almost, I mean, it's almost like our, what, go ahead. I'm still just panicking because I thought like you two had a discussion that said the podcast was going to be over and then like didn't tell me about it <laughs> and that we were retiring. So I just yeah. got calmed out a little bit. Yeah, like, Wyatt, and I, Wyatt and I were talking about that last night. It was, yeah. it was fine. Yeah, that, that's what you decided in the aftermath of the Chiefs win. The podcast yep. was over. Yep. That was the result of the victory. I mean, but maybe the Cyclone basketball team needs to sit down and figure out like what's going on with this season otherwise it should just basically be over that's an awful transition that's fine <laughs> that's subjective so it's awful like the basketball team yeah they're yeah, both the bad. bad bad on the court and we're bad on mike so wait why am i bad well you're bad but we're also bad on a mic on a oh, microphone okay. oh i got you we I also have bad microphones can't you hear you were about as slow as a tortoise right there mike good job hey it's been a long day yeah not a not as long as mine has was self-inflicted mine was long because i had meetings all day and a stupid anyway continue before i get myself in trouble well i mean i didn't actually watch a majority of either of the two games that happened this week i just kind of know the outcomes and they weren't great uh they, the Cyclones did have to go to Baylor to face the number two team in the country, which yeah, I don't believe. Team. Well, didn't they, did they come back to beat Oklahoma State? Baylor? Well, they're the number one team in the nation, so I presume they didn't lose. Oh, they, yep. They, I guess they did not lose. They did come back to beat Oklahoma State. At one point, they were down uh, uh, at Oklahoma State by over 10 points. But that was in the second quarter, so they obviously came back. Um, but Iowa State did have to play two top 25 teams and obviously one of the current best teams in the nation this week. So it not really a surprise that they came out of that 0-2, but the team really isn't trending in the right direction. Fortunately enough, they do get to play a 9-8 and Oklahoma State team at home uh, this week on uh, Tuesday. So when this episode drops, the game will be uh, that evening. Uh, but it is once again on ESPN Plus. So if you haven't already, make sure you get a subscription to an to an absolutely horrible idea by ESPN. Sure, let's put these games gonna, on ESPN. I was going to say, yeah, don't don't go promote ESPN Plus. We are not on the ESPN Plus bandwagon. I was just saying it so that they could go and watch a an equally bad Iowa State team play on an equally atrocious network so it is what it is espn you suck i hate you 
but if they get Tony Romo for foot for Monday Night Football, that would help. That would help a lot. Uh, but then Iowa State, their uh, tests don't get any easier as they have to go to uh, Auburn on Saturday. So look for another bad week and another bad report next week on the men's basketball team. Yeah, this is the team that just offensively has looked completely out of sorts. I mean, I know that Texas Tech and Baylor are both very good defensive teams. That's that's why they're as good as they are, because they play really good defense. But this team is actually, wow, the offensive metrics are a lot better than I thought they were. But they just, if they can't run, if they can't get out in fast break and transition, right, they're just not. Team is toast. Right. They're they're set offense. Then their set offense just does not look good. It cannot cannot compete with these top defenses in the nation. But, but I mean, this is is what we've seen in recent uh, years with Cyclone men's basketball is a lot of stagnant uh, set offenses, and now it's finally catching up to us because we are lacking the talent that we used to have. I mean, we had talent. They could just hit... Shots, Matt Thomas, George Niang, Naz Long, Monte Morris. Uh, uh, then you also got uh, Marielle Shayok. And all of that talent to make their own shots and create plays, even Lindell Wigington, it, it's gone. And now it's just Tyrese Halliburton. And it just really goes to show that there is a huge disparity between what, what we've been used to for the past five, six, seven, eight years in Cyclone men's basketball to what we have this year. Now, I think some of that might change next year uh, when Razier Bolton gets some more experience going in and we get some new recruits coming in that are really going to help. Um, like Xavier but, Foster. Like Xavier Foster and uh, uh, Dudley Blackwell, who's doing really, really well in his senior season. Um, but this team... It's one-dimensional. It's one person. It's Tyrese Halliburton. Super easy to defend. Yeah. The, the team lacks a like a knockdown perimeter shooter that you that right like the think like of the Naz Long or Matt Thomas. Long, yeah, Matt Thomas. yeah. those those you throw it out those, to them. You count on them draining a three. Yeah, and because they lack that shooter, right? That means the help side defense can come a little bit more, right, to help the drives in the lane, and um, right, and then it just. Right, it just sort of doesn't happen. So offensively, they lack a shooter. Defensively, I don't know. They, I think they should be better than they are. I don't know what's the problem. I haven't I watched so them enough, I guess. I thought, wrong I, thought, but. I thought Tyrese Halliburton was going to have more energy on defense, and I also thought that Prentice Nixon was would be what we needed, and George Condit was going to average around two blocks a game. But none of that is just panning out. It It's been easy for other opponents. So yeah, it's been it's been too easy. They need to get better. They need to show up. If this team finishes below 500, that's very very bad. Major conference teams finishing below 500 is bad, but this team looks like it's going to it's going to finish below 500. So I mean, they're below 500 now and the schedule only gets harder from here. Who would have so, who would have guessed that we would be complaining about Cyclones men Cyclone men's basketball 4 years ago but be okay with football? Yeah, that's certainly a change. That's what a couple of coaching changes can do. 
True. That's what a couple of coaching changes can do. Not that I think Steve Prohm is a bad coach necessarily, but he and Fred Hoiberg. So he he's able to recruit, but you just can't coach. Well, he's not as good of a coach as Fred Hoiberg. Yeah, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna completely hate on him yet because I feel I have I feel like we need to give him more time, especially with the recruits that he's bringing in. I think firing Coach Prohm this year would be an absolute mistake. Agreed. But especially with the level of talent we have coming in for next season to pair with what we currently have. But on to another sport where there was a ton of talent on both sides of the football in both of these AFC or in both of these uh, conference championship games in the AFC. Uh, the Tennessee Titans came in with Derrick Henry having rushed for over a hundred or over a hundred, what, 50, 60 yards in three straight games, um, just basically going beast mode on everybody. Uh, but the Chiefs were able to slow him down along with the help of the Titans offensive coordinator getting away from the running uh, plays in this game. Uh, but all in all, uh, it was a good game from the start till the finish. The Titans jumped out to an early lead, but then the uh, Chiefs came back to take a lead going into halftime, which has been their MO. They are a second quarter team, and uh, really that's who they who their identity is. Uh, they have a minus uh, 50 point di- or point differential in the first quarter uh, throughout the entire season, which means they don't score in the first quarter, but they have a plus 60 point differential in the second quarter. So uh, don't show up for the first quarter, but then play the remaining three quarters of the game. That happened against the Texans the other week as well. Uh, but it's it's the Chiefs the first time. In 50 seasons, they're going back to the Super Bowl, and this is the first time that I actually have anything to cheer for in the Super Bowl because I have a team that I care about, and they finally made it. It's been so many uh, seasons of woes, especially the Chiefs, who have always just been garbage in when it comes to the playoffs, uh, losing in wild card games, losing in games they shouldn't have. Uh, last year, they're they're on the doorstep, but lost to the Patriots. And credit the Chiefs' front office for going out and bringing in key players to the defense rather than just sitting on their hands and their hands tied behind their back. They made moves. They brought in Frank Clark and Tyron Matthew as well as Steve Spagnuolo. I was hating on this defense the entire six, first six games of the season because, let's be honest, they were trash. But since then, they have become one of the top 10 defenses in the NFL. A big change. Uh, Steve Spagnuolo has them playing well. Tyron Matthew and Frank Clark make the two final plays on defense for this team. Tyron Matthew breaks up a pass on third down, and then Frank Clark gets a huge sack on fourth down to basically end that game and just took knees. Patrick Mahomes, of course, was great again. He probably had one of the, which will go down in history as one of the most famous touchdown runs in Chiefs history, Uh, his long, like, 30-yard scamper. Uh, where he spun out of a couple tackles and dove into the end zone, uh, put the team on his back in that scenario. But it's it's the Chiefs going to Miami. Nothing better than seeing a couple Andy Reid Hawaiian oversized shirts when he's on the beach in uh, in Miami, Florida, in two weeks. So I finally have something to cheer for. But so does San Francisco, as that's who the Chiefs will be uh, matched up against. And Mike, do you want to talk about this game? 
Yeah, I can talk about <clears throat> talk about the NFC game since I am more NFC inclined than you are. Is that what you were doing, Sai? I was reading about baseball Hall of Fame ballots. I got baseball on the brain now. Is that what we transitioned to? I wasn't paying attention. I yeah, I just said, do you want to talk about that San Francisco Green Bay game? All I heard was, Mike, do you want to talk about this game? And I assumed you had moved on. But I was like, Mike, did you want to make any comments about I wasn't going to have you talk about the Chiefs and the Titans game. You pretty much don't have anything to add to that. Besides, you love Patrick Mahomes. I mean, I love his cute baby pictures in a Twins uniform. Look up cute Patrick Mahomes baby pictures in a Twins uniform on Google. It's cute. Pat Mahomes is a cute baby. His dad played for the Twins. That's why he was in Twins uniforms when he was a baby. Anyway, yeah, also I have that Tennessee should have ran the ball more. I know you said that, but Tennessee really should have ran the ball more. They got rid of – they got away from what got them there in the second, in and the second they, half. And they cost. got away from what the Chiefs are bad at, run defense. Yeah, agreed. I think – they, I mean, the they, went, they went to the strength of the Chiefs' defense, which is the passing game. Yeah, and, and the Chiefs are the better team. For sure. So I'm not in any way saying Tennessee should have won that game. I'm just saying they had a chance, except they got got away from what they were good at, which is running the football. So anyway, someone who did not get away from what they were good at running the football is the San Francisco 49ers. That 49ers team absolutely dominated Green Bay. And sure, the final result was only 17 points, but this game wasn't even that close. The Packers never had a chance. Oster ran for 220 yards and four touchdowns. By the way, he is a he was pretty much a forgotten player in the NFL. He was a track uh, he ran track at Purdue. This is his either his seventh or eighth NFL team, and now he's the starting running back. And he ran for 220 yards in the NFC Championship game. Just ridiculous. But I'm sorry. No, you're good. San Francisco was able to run the ball early and often and late. And, I mean, we got um, – Jimmy Garoppolo did not throw a pass between the 120 mark in the second quarter and, like, the 10-minute mark in the fourth quarter. Probably, like, the 8-minute mark in the fourth quarter. He went, like – he went, like, 18 game – like, what is that? 5, 20 – we'll call it 24 game minutes in hour and a half real time. Without throwing a pass in that game, and San and he Francisco only still it. he only attempted eight passes. Right, which, total. Which the last time somebody threw less passes than that was like 1978. That's just unheard of in this and in in a playoff game, I should say. That's just unheard of in this NFL. Well, like, even just in the NFL, really, it's unheard of right now. Yeah, like what you did, what they did on the ground was absolutely – I mean, they did the same thing to the Vikings last week. They made both the Vikings and Packers, whose neither defense was phenomenal this year, but they were both two very respectable defenses, look absolutely silly in two consecutive weeks. The blocking – the thing that impressed me most most about San Francisco's run game was the buy-in of the wide receivers to be able to block. Um, Emmanuel Sanders – and what's that really quick guy's name? Debo Samuel. That's what I thought, but I was and, him. And the... George Kittle is now the best blocking tight end in the NFL. Oh, yeah. The, the blocking from tight ends and wide receivers is what makes that outside run game for San Francisco click. The corners are not able to go make tackles because the wide receivers are holding blocks on corners, and it's phenomenal. That blocking is what impressed me. I mean, sure. I mean, not to take anything away from the running backs. I mean, 
Mostert was phenomenal, yes. It was phenomenal on Sunday. But that blocking from the wide receivers especially was great. And, I mean, they did all that after losing Tevin Coleman in the first quarter to a shoulder injury. So they didn't even have their full complement of running backs when they when they did this. And, yeah. I mean, in the second—the game was basically over at halftime. Aaron Rodgers tried to bring him back in the second half. But in the end, he turned the ball over— three times and fumbled twice more that the Packers were covered. So, I mean, that's just too, you can't go on the road in a playoff game and turn the ball over three times and expect to win. That's basically what it comes down to. Aaron Rodgers was not sharp. He was good, but he wasn't excellent. And he would have had to have been excellent to have Green Bay beat that defense. The Packers offensive line, which had been okay, um, just got destroyed by that San Francisco defensive line, like a lot of offensive lines do. Um, yeah, and the Packers never really stood a chance. You can't turn the ball over and that many times you're going to play off game. It's just the way it works. Overall, Green Bay, interesting season. I mean, you were the two seed in the NFC, which normally is pretty good. But according to some of the advanced metrics, they were the worst or second worst 13-3 and three team in NFL history. So you, if you're the Packers, I don't know what to think of this season. You're a roster that's getting older, and you're running out of time, and you had a good season, but were you really actually that good? Nobody knows. It's a time to think about the Packers. And some I say feel they're like... going up. Some say they're going with the new head coach. Some say this... They're on the rise, and this was a great season. Others could say this was a missed opportunity with a team that's nearing the end of its competition. And maybe next year we'll see that, but just an interesting story. And I think track. I think the Packers had one of the easiest schedules. But I mean, they did have a third-place schedule this year as opposed to... Uh, to a first-place schedule, which the Chiefs had, and then the Chiefs went 12-4 and four in that first-place schedule, so... But next year, they'll have a first-place schedule. So we'll see about that. Um, so the Super Bowl will be on, what is that, Sunday, February 2nd. Yep. It starts at 5.30 Central Time. It will be the Chiefs versus the San Francisco from Miami. It will be on Fox. We will do a preview of this game with picks in next week's episode. So look forward to that next week. But for now, unless Wyatt has anything to add about those NFL games this weekend... I do. Go. So, Andy Reid, when asked what he did. <laughs> oh, yeah. I love yes. this. <laughs> I don't know how you skipped this. He he said, what? It was just, He went home, had a cheeseburger, and went to bed? Yeah. Like, and then is... he was up this morning watching film of the 49ers. Yeah. What a man. What a man. What a great time to be alive and be Andy Reid. So, this is, this, this is a matchup of the best quarterback in the NFL, Pat Mahomes, versus the sexiest quarterback in the NFL and Jimmy Garoppolo, and one of the best coaches in the NFL and Kyle Shanahan, versus one of the sexiest coaches in the NFL and Andy Reid. Yeah, that's, that's how it is. is. <laughs> that's how it is. Uh, no, but, like, in in all reality, two of the greatest uh, coaches in the NFL right now are squaring off. One who's mm-hmm. been doing it forever and one of the young and bright minds in the NFL. So this will... No matter who you're rooting for, go Chiefs. Uh, this will be a very, very entertaining Super Bowl. We will obviously talk more about that next week so that we still have stuff to talk about. 
But another thing that just continues to rear its ugly head are the Houston Astros. And I don't know what you wanted to talk about, Mike, but I know in the, uh, I've seen a couple of videos surface, especially of Jose Altuve, when he hit a walk-off home run against, uh, who was that? Clayton Kershaw or Araldis Chapman? No, it was, it was Chapman. Chapman. That he was holding his jersey together and telling his teammates not to rip it off just so that they can't see whatever the buzzer or whatever device that they're using. Yeah, is on- that is that actually true? It, the video seems pretty conclusive that he's trying to keep his jersey on because normally in that instance, the players will rip the jersey off of the person who's touching home plate and. Did you see all the other pictures from other uh, MLB teams where people were like circling little tiny devices that were protruding through the jersey up towards their shoulders that were circling about? Yeah. So I didn't see any of these. And so the MLB officially came out and said they didn't find any evidence of this. But there's just a lot of coincidences and things like this that just seem a little too fishy for them all not to be true. A lot of coincidences in a row is is tough, and I think there are just too many coincidences with. This. I saw I saw like, something that was pretty great on Twitter. You know that uh, that gif of the guy who like hits the ball and then he it like hits him on the head instead because he no. hits it straight up in there, comes down, and hits him on the head. Well, that somebody posted that gif on Twitter and uh, said me watching the Astros try and swing a baseball bat next season. <laughs> so here's if, th- if we're thinking about next season, and there's still one more thing about this offseason I want to get to, but we'll get to that in a second. How many times are the people like Alex Bregman, Jose Altuve, and Carlos Correa going to get fastballs at their back this next season, especially early in the season? Oh, I I want the Royals to do it. Pitch, pitchers, pitchers especially – I'm yeah. going to be very, very unhappy. You can you can guarantee this. yourself that when Araldis Chapman gets on the mound, well, that fastball yeah. is going at their head. No, because Araldis Chapman is usually in the game in a big situation where you can't afford to put a guy on first base. No, so they're you probably they're won't see put, Araldis Chapman see it. No, they're gonna they're gonna put Araldis Chapman in just to do that. Just to throw it. No, I would. I, I do if not condone throwing Ventura was head, still around for the Royals. Throw at somebody's head. Yo, your Dono Ventura would be throwing 99 mile an hour fastballs at their hip, back, butt. Throw it at their back. That's fine. I'm fine throwing somebody's back. Do not throw it at their head. Do not above the shoulders, off limits. Don't throw a baseball there. Well, but, but yeah. if you try and throw it at Jose Altuve in his back, it's probably going to hit his head anyway. He's like four feet tall. I mean, I mean the the pitchers have pinpoint accuracy. So unless something like truly slips, they have pinpoint accuracy. You could hit them in the back. Hit them in the back. They deserve it. But yeah, they're gonna get hit a bunch. They're gonna get booed in every ballpark they go to. All I love eighty-one it. road games this year. They're gonna get it. booed mercilessly. But the one thing I want to talk about as far as the off season, um, Carlos Beltran set a new major league record. Um, this week, when the Mets fired him this week, I believe he became the first Major League manager to get fired without ever managing a game um, when the Mets fired him this year. So 
I remember we said last week an interesting question would be if the Mets would stand with Carlos Beltran. They decided not to. So there are three teams that uh, had man- that uh, have managerial vacancies at the moment. Though a lot of them bench coaches will probably step in to do it. But we'll see uh, what they do as far as filling managerial vacancies with spring training less than a month away now. Pitchers and catchers are reporting. So there's just a lot more like I mean, baseball just lost its mind on Thursday. There was a Twitter account that claimed to be Carlos Beltran's what like aunt or like niece or something that now is suspected yeah. that it was a burner account of a different player who wanted to get these accusations out there, but not, you know, be public about it. Baseball lost its mind on Thursday. ESPN did have a good article about how baseball lost its mind this last Thursday that you should go read. Baseball has just lost its mind. Hey, hey, Wyatt, has baseball lost its mind? Oh, yeah, sorry. Yes, baseball has lost its mind, according to Mike. According to Mike. I'll, I'll, I'll quote him on that. So Yes, do quote me on that. Baseball has lost its mind. This is an episode time for you. In, like, in, in, the, in the grand scheme of things, this is the Astros' fault, obviously, and mainly Alex Cora's fault. But we still haven't seen what his punishment is going to be for Major League. I already football. told you what his punishment is going to be. He's going to get banned so, from baseball. Well, that's not given yet. It, I, but more and the more and more that comes out, the more and more I believe it should. But Astros, you better look out, or you might as well just take the season off. You know, it's going to be a rough year for you. We'll see you at the bottom of the AL West. So, uh, no, the the Astros are still going to be a good team. Yeah, I know, Don't but I kind of ho- hope they're at the bottom of the AL West. The Astros. See, that's the thing that makes this worse is all these players are still talented. They're still incredibly talented players. And that's what frustrates me about this, right? Because, right, there are minor leaguers who they probably knocked out, minor league pitchers, you know, fringe pitchers, who they probably knocked out of the game of baseball because they knew these signs, right? Yeah. Like, just so they could be, you know, all-stars, Hall of Famers, as opposed to just really, really good players. They they cost people their jobs in baseball. Yeah, I have no respect for these players. I don't that's, either. That's I don't I go know. to an Astros game like, this year, they will be booed. Like, like if you're an Astros pitcher, you're fine, in my yeah, opinion. They knew about it. Right? There's they, no, way, there's know, no, no, no way they didn't know about it. But they weren't committing the act of... They weren't, bene- have, they weren't, they weren't enabling, but they weren't benefiting. Yeah. Directly. I yeah. mean, indirectly, the team was better. They won a World Series. We got in this. There's so much more that's going to be talked about this. I'm sure we'll talk about it again when the Red Sox discipline comes out here at some point. We'll for sure talk about it some more. But in the meantime, baseball has lost its mind. And it's good. I love being able to talk about baseball in January this passionately. It's great. I love baseball. Baseball's the best. Well, you also like to talk about some pretty stupid rules, and apparently you are trying to take us back to our roots in this uh, edition. Yeah, of, I am. Or in this installment of Mike's Stupid Rules. So we'll just let you keep talking passionately. Mm-hmm. But it has to so, be passionate. Okay. So I'm taking us back to our roots. Remember, this segment was started as sort of a hockey, right? Fill you in on hockey rules. That's how the segment started. We're going back to our roots. We're going to talk more about hockey today. 
we're going to talk about submitting a lineup and whether it could be valid or invalid, etc. So this happened with the Wild. can't remember if it was earlier this week or if it was last week. So what the uh, Wild did, or what the Wild coach Bruce Boudreau did, is he, right, so before the game, so just like in the NFL where you have players who are inactive, right? In the NHL, you have, I believe it's three players who are on your roster who are scratched each, right, each day. So they don't, so they don't play. You only have a certain number, right? You always have 12 forwards, six defensemen, and two goalies normally for a total of 20 players um, active for a given game. So each game you have to give to the officials before the game your lineup card saying which of your 20 players um, will be active for that game. What Bruce Boudreau did is he thought he was filling out one lineup or he thought Right, the lineup he posted in the locker room was different than the one he gave to the officials. So he gave a traditional lineup of twelve forwards, six defensemen, and two goalies in the locker room. But the one he gave to the officials had thirteen forwards, five defensemen, and two goalies. So they found this out like right before the game started. But of course, right, the defensemen had dressed, and the forward who thought he was scratched was sitting up, you know, in the press box or whatever not even ready for the game. They found this out before game. The defenseman had to leave the bench, and it was basically the end of the first period before the forward was down and ready to play. So they had to play down a player the entire period. And then the rest of the game, they only had five defensemen as according to the norm, instead of the normal six. Now, this is actually the best-case scenario for this because if that defenseman who was officially scratched would have actually played... That would have been a penalty, right? That would have been a bench penalty for an illegal um, illegal lineup on the Wild. So you can get a bench minor for playing illegal players, and you can also, you know, you have to submit the right lineup, you know, because otherwise, you know, invalid players, et cetera, et cetera. There you go. Submit the right lineup for hockey. That is this week's rules. Does that make sense? Makes yeah. dollars. Like pretty much every sport. You know, you got to have a lineup. That you submit to the officials, anyway. Yep, it's pretty yeah. typical. I mean, yeah, same in pretty much every sport. But yeah, nice. Out of way, you can kind of keep on talking if you'd like, Mike. You got to hold us accountable in our signature segment of write that down predictions. Mm-hmm. We have a very short accountability session today. Josh was the only one with predictions that came off the board, and he had two of them come off the board. Um, a couple of weeks ago, he predicted the Packers would go to the Super Bowl. With their loss, they did not. So that they didn't a, even show up to the NFC uh, championship game. So that, so for that, he could say nah. <laughs> and Josh also predicted last week that Tennessee would go to the Super Bowl, which they almost did, but then they lost. To, then they blew a lead to the Chiefs. So for that, he also gets a nah. <laughs> go Chiefs. That that that's all we got for our prediction or for our accountability session. So Kyle, what do you got? My boy Pat Mahomes will throw at least four touchdown passes in the Super Bowl in two weeks. At least four against at San Francisco four. defense. Doubles? I mean, yeah, that seems legit to me. Like, I I don't doubt that. I'd say double. Okay. I was leaning towards triple, but if you say double, we'll go double. I think that's more triple territory. San Francisco's defense is really good. Let me let me look. Yes, yeah, you're right. 
You sticking with Double Wyatt? Unless you have an argument otherwise. A better defense. I mean, I was just going to go look at how many points that... I mean, when was the last time the 49ers even gave up four touchdowns? Probably to Drew Brees. I was going to say, yeah, probably Drew Brees. The Saints game. Or maybe to the Seahawks, but I don't think they got that many points. No, the Seahawks didn't. Um... Maybe to the Ravens? No, that was Falcons the Ravens game. Falcons scored 29 on them, so that's four touchdowns, but only two of them were passing in week 15. And then, yeah, Drew Brees did it in, uh, in, week, four, in week 14. 14. Yeah. And then, yeah. So I'd say that's triple territory. It's up to Wyatt. To Wyatt's got the final call. It um, only happened in one game, Wyatt. Whenever I complain, I always get shafted, so you're getting a double. <laughs> what? No, what? we always have Josh. I've what? been generous with you lately. I've also been generous with you lately. Oh, prick. <laughs> what do you got, Mike? I'm also going to make a Super Bowl-type prediction, and it is that Patrick Mahomes will be sacked at least three times. Oh, that would be kind of sad. Single. <laughs> You don't like your offensive line's chances? Uh, not the not the center. Our interior offensive line with uh, er, Eric Armstead. And they're probably going to put Nick Bosa in the middle to oh. go against our weak spot. Well, I mean, I'm feeling and I'm not going to convince you otherwise, so I guess I'll just take the single and we can move on. But yeah, you're yeah, not going to convince it. me. One because the San Francisco's strength is their defensive line. So yep, you're right. So I also have a Super Bowl related prediction. Ooh, fancy! And it's that Andy Reid will wear a primarily red Hawaiian shirt to the game, like on the field or like walking to the locker room. On the field, home run. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's but I want it. And- he wears it's possible. Girl, no, he's gonna wear a he'll windbreaker. Nah. nah, in Miami. It, yes. Yes, nah. he wears windbreaker. Nah. He has worn a windbreaker to every single game this season. I want it to happen. I feel like it's become such a meme after the. It's not gonna what, happen. When he started wearing, I don't know. It's not gonna but happen. He's not. He's not coaching happen. the Pro Bowl in Hawaii. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna happen. It's Miami. Whatever. Whatever. My name's Kyle, and I'm mad I didn't get a triple. Whatever. You're right, I am. I'm pissed. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, it's not going to happen, week? and then it won't matter. Exactly. Like every prediction I've put up this year. Do you have anything from uh, Josh this we week? We do. Are you alive? Josh predicts another, a, another big comeback from – and, yes, he is still alive after taking that Packers loss, by the way. I did talk to him today. He's doing he's doing okay. Um. Better or worse than I was? Better, it sounded like. Oh. <laughs> and his team lost. So, um, yes, Josh predicts another big comeback from the Chiefs this week. He predicts that San Francisco will lead by at least two scores at some point. So we're going to call that at least nine points, right? Because that's two possessions. Yep. So at least nine points and still lose. Triple. I think that's a home run. Do it. Do it for the cycle. Triple. So, our, so we are counting it as nine points, not, like, six? Yeah. It, not, we'll call it nine points, yes. Nine points. Okay. Or, 
lead by nine points. Or more. And still well, yeah. I don't know. The Chiefs have done it twice this postseason already. I, yeah. But San Francisco is a team that's built to hold leads with that running game and that defense. Especially the defensive line, because the more they have the lead later in the game, the more you have to throw in their defensive line. Yeah. I don't know. What do you say, Kyle? Triple. For, do it for the cycle. And I said home run. All right. I'll do it for the cycle. Keep, keep it as a triple. Oh, come on. I, I, don't, I don't think it's that. Do it for the cycle, baby. Okay. Okay. Well, I tried, Josh. I tried. And in our retirement episode, we hit for the cycle. We got the cycle. We got a... We're not retiring. No, but the, the, it's, the, we're the celebrating episode. our retirement. Yeah. We're not actually retiring. Yeah, we got all the scores in for a write that down prediction segment. A single, double, triple, and home run. Uh, yeah, thanks for listening to our retirement episode, but we're not actually retiring because we'll be back at you next week on episode 66. Because, you know, that is numerically the next number after 65. So make sure you tune in to let us let you know about sports or let us talk to you about sports, even if you already know about them. Signing off for the 8311 cast, we have your hosts. Kyle Mersh, Mike Ludwig, and Wyatt Teeter. Like I said, we'll talk to you again next week. Go Cyclones. Go Cyclones. Go Chiefs, we're going to the Super Bowl! Oh! Please cut this last oh. bit off.